stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. Hey there, welcome to Ignited the podcast where we celebrate innovation and rural success. I'm Wade Cleveland. I work for a rural innovation hub called Ignite, and I'm here to tell you some great small town and rural success stories. This is part two of our conversation with Adam and Amanda Langley of Super Yacht East Coast. Amanda was co-host of our Ignited Women's Founders series. This time, she's on the other side of the mic with Adam. They launched their marine tourism brand, Super Yacht East Coast, just over a year ago with a combined 40-plus years working in waterfront development, port operations, and strategic marketing. Now, these two excel at shaping and promoting ports into premier destinations. We talk about the opportunities that marine tourism brings to and through our waterfront communities, how it benefits both visiting and local boaters, and the leadership role that they have taken in developing this sector for our region. Part of what we're trying to create is what Adam refers to as ports of confidence. So when um, a boat comes to a region, they want to know that there's certain things in place. It does not have to be fancy. It does not have to be white gloves. It doesn't need a disco. It doesn't need a disco. But, I mean, that's be nice. <laughs> but they're confident that when they, that they can tie up, that they're aware of what is there and what there is to do, and that the infrastructure services and experiences are at a level that can accommodate a floating resort. The yachting sector, especially in the super yacht sector, you have a traditional cruising grounds around the world where captains and owners just get comfortable because they know when they go that there aren't any surprises. They call them the milk runs. The milk runs, you know, okay. like the Med or the Caribbean. They could the they could they could South cruise it with their eyes or, closed, kind right? of place. But th- that's becoming less attractive as the boats become more sophisticated and have bigger ranges, and the exploration yacht is really emerging as this new global traveling. Uh, vessel. They can go further and in yeah, more so, obscure places. So new destinations are where are what people are looking at. But with that, back to Amanda and the ports of confidence, with them within those destinations you have to have at least a emergence of a coordinated effort to uh, create serviceable ports. That when something goes wrong or when I need to pick up people to and from an airport they have confidence or I need gas. <laughs> Right. It's it's there. So that's, you know, my work over the past 10 years has been really focused on developing the, the strength of existing ports that we have and making them stronger. Because when you focus on these ports of confidence and, you know, and you make them more robust, then the ports left and right or the communities left and right can start to rise up as well. But if we try to just create an instant network and we're going to try and include every single port all at the same time and develop a level of service that we can go to market and say we're ready you don't have enough money to do that and so if you don't have enough money then you sprinkle it too thin and then you haven't had impact it's a lot of coordination it's helping communities and partners understand prioritization it's really getting each destination to not only focus on improving themselves but improving their surroundings and the rest of the network together because as a product of Nova Scotia or Atlantic Canada or the East Coast, we can market that. Uh, We can't just market uh, one community because these vessels or these visitors um, are not coming to just one destination. And I think that's that's part of the reason why you embarked on this in the first place is that it was bigger than just Nova Scotia. It needed to be a regional play. 
And even more so now, um, you know, New England has been a long-standing um, yachting destination. So instead of marketing to the whole world, why don't we focus in and put a lot of attention on a market that's well-established that's across the street? And so that's really been a great partnership for us. Um, it's a super yacht marina, and it's sort of their gateway to this connected coastline. They start there, and they go all the way to Cape Breton. Right. And beyond. Yeah. And beyond. Now, you've been working a lot developing those relationships with people like Yasta, Yarmouth and Acadian Shores, and Deans here. We're recording this in New Glasgow. So talk My hometown. Uh, that's right there. Cape Breton, Discover Halifax. And you've been working with uh, New England. It's Portland, right? Portland, Maine, yeah. Portland. Four Points Marina. So you're getting the buy-in. And we have an in-market partner as well. Right. In, in, in Florida. In creating an industry, you've got to create both sides because you've got to get that buy-in here locally to say, this is real. And then you have to go to the super yachts themselves and say, we've got a product for you. We pivot about a million times a day. Well, here's my thing. Chicken or egg? Or do you do them both at the same you time? You have to do them both at the same uh, time. Yeah. I'd never sleep again. And my mind would twirl. We approach <laughs> projects that way, too. So to throw an example, um, Bedeck. So we're working with Bedeck on um, their destination as a marine tourism destination. But at the same time, we're out there telling their story. So I do all of their social media. I do all their marketing materials. Um, it's it's a holistic. That's a great example. Um, and I grew up, but I was fortunate enough to grow up in the Northumberland Strait, the Bedore Lakes, and have lived for many years in Halifax. So, and uh, been a lifelong boater. So, that, I mean, that's really helps inform a lot of what we do. But as an example in Bedak, Bedak has always had a, a wharf. Um, and it's a fairly large wharf. It was used for, uh, well, going back to, you know, over 100 years ago when steamers used to would be the main transportation around the lake, and then it was they moved a lot of pulp wood out of there. But it was just never designed or redesigned or elevated to be more of a recreational boat wharf. So it was an under-visited area because of that. Through our work, what we've done is we've taken the wharf, and it's been recapitalized and um, and it's now a desirable destination to tie up and what have you. We were able to take this wharf and knit together the other pieces of their waterfront. So there's a boardwalk and an island and the wharf, but they were always thought of as independent of each other, even though the village owns them all. But they were never brought together as the broader waterfront experience of this community. So in doing that, now the community is like, oh my gosh, so we have a wharf, an island, and a boardwalk, and they're all connected together. And oh, we have a harbor, and now we have this. Experience and, and that, and so you, we're marketing yeah. to visitors. But the greatest thing about it, or one of the greatest things about it, is how engaged the community has well, yeah, gotten. They've been reintroduced to their waterfront because we actually were able to identify what it is as this bigger experience that they had. You know, some people might have a boat, so I, I sort of just participated in the wharf of the beach. There's a beach on the island, so I just went to the island. My kids took swimming lessons yeah. there, but I see that opportunity just reoccurring over and over again across this maritime landscape that we have is you take these disconnected pieces and this is comes out of my experience in Halifax which you have I don't know, two kilometers of waterfront and you have municipal property and public and uh, provincial property and private property and from the visitor perspective they don't care who owns it they just want to come to experience so if you create a more coordinated landscape and kind of remove the labels of who owns what and who's responsible for what and just focus on providing the best visitor experience or if possible, whether you're local coming down for lunch or you're coming by boat to spend two weeks there. That's when all the, the sort of boundary lines 
just disappear. And it's about people engaging in an environment that makes them happy. It makes them, inspires them. It gives cause for businesses to emerge. It creates stages for people to perform and events to happen. It just becomes that gathering place. And I think we've kind of lost focus of that um, over time when we, when we start to draw too many lines around who's responsible for what or who owns what. Or, or who's, a, you know, very much in competition or working in silos. And, yeah. you know, we're too small of a region to do that. We need to celebrate what makes us special and then tell the world about that. Because when a visitor comes here, they yeah. don't care or understand or want to even understand all those silos or all those relationships that are going on behind the scenes. They just see the gift that we have here. Yeah, it, it truly is a gift to live and, and work in this this coastal in, environment. And, and now, you know, it's been known as, when I grew up, it was Canada's Ocean Playground. We kind of reinvigorated that, if, you know, a couple of years ago with some of the material we were working on. And I'm happy to see tourism numbers Scotia just this week has relaunched has launched a new campaign where they've gone back to the ocean playground narrative because it really is our, our greatest natural advantage. Hi, this is Doug Jones, CEO of Ignite Atlantic. I wanted to let you know that if you're an entrepreneur, you may want to consider becoming an Ignite resident. Residency at Ignite will give you the resources, mentorship, and space you need to grow your startup or idea. You will become part of an incredible support network, a community that is dedicated to seeing you succeed. But don't just take my word for it. Book a tour of Ignite and see what we have to offer for you. Go to IgniteAtlantic.com. Let's talk from the perspective of myself, who lives in Yarmouth. Uh, we have a waterfront that could use some development. I'm a local councillor. We're talking about waterfront development. We've been talking about it forever. And we've been studied to death. And there's, I'm sure there are entire families of spiders with dust in and amongst those, some, those studies. That, some of the strategies. Yeah. It is a frustrating thing. There's also that idea, automatic maritime dismissal of things, as in, well, we're not ready for that. How are we supposed to do this? We're not good enough. So there's that. And the other part is we have a working waterfront. It is amazing. And visitors you, love to see working Well, water. here's the thing, because there's a fear that if we create something more touristy or more public That facing, that can't still happen. That, that there's a fight between yes. the two. Oh, yeah. How do you address that? I think we need to accept, and that, that's, that's the wrong word, but the working waterfront is the attraction. It's the attraction for businesses to co-locate and have access to the water, and it's the attraction for the visitor to see how our you know, our industries, new and old, work at the water's edge. And those two can coexist, but it does require a community or whoever is the, uh, has the oversight of that landscape to really focus on, you know, operations and all of the foundational uh, elements that stand up your waterfront. Because if you don't, um, and no one wants to focus on operations, this is my director of operations past hat going on. He wears the operations yeah. hat. Yeah, because <laughs> it's so critical, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's traffic uh, management, pedestrian signage. management, signage, uh, and, and, and operations also you now obviously leads to marketing and communication. So how do you talk with your community about not only developing the the, uh, the waterfront as a working waterfront and satisfying all these these different areas of interest, but how do you continue to engage the local community so that they share the story in a positive way? Um, so a lot of community engagement 
is required, but it doesn't have to be your traditional. And I don't really don't think this works where you hold up, you know, you put out a, a message and say, come to the community hall for one hour and learn about our uh, waterfront ambitions. Because often the same people show up and you're not reaching the people that have perhaps are, are working or dealing with kids or, or otherwise can't, you know, participate. So, you know, engaging people in, in different ways and a lot through you know, social media and other means and just, or even one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, is really important. And, and to not try and to- getting a team of ambassadors behind yeah. that so that they're out telling a unified message as well about the ambition. Yeah, so it's, you know, I think you, you really need buy-in from the, the, at the local level. And to get buy-in, you, you need to paint a picture of what what is the opportunity uh, and how do we now fit into that and how, we, and how, you know, and how do we grow it? So because, you know, we don't want to just decide well, here's where we fit and that's where we're going to stay. This has to be, you know, you know waterfronts are evolving. They're evolving naturally. There's They're a living, climate breathing. change piece of it as well. Uh, how do you bring in best practices and sustainability and stuff? So I'm going to stop now because I can go down the rabbit hole of Don't operations. Don't take him down the rabbit hole of operations. Uh, but, but, it, but it's interesting because a lot of people, they don't want to necessarily spend as much time listening about the reality of how things work. They just want it to happen, right? Um, we're, we have that challenge with some of our projects where it's, okay, the investment's been made, the war for the waterfront has been recapitalized or it's been renovated or what have you, but then what? Who and looks then, after it? How so you... after this invigoration has happened, people's walk away, but it needs to be marketed you build it and they won't come. That's the saying that we say all the time. You build it and you have to tell the, you have to tell the world uh -huh. and tell that story and engage people in it because, you know, if you talk to a lot of where these yachts are coming from, uh, Nova Scotia is not a known thing. I mean, even even Canada, they, it's we're talking about a region and all the places that they can experience in the region, but. They have to know about the region first mm -hmm. and foremost. So that's what we're doing. We're yeah. So it's funny. I mean, you have let's say you have a, a community and they want to they want to market to the, the, the yachting sector. So they have to first you start start with Canada. Yeah. <laughs> like Atlantic Canada or East the East Coast Atlantic Canada, the Maritimes and Nova Scotia. Like you need to really bring that audience from a from a high perspective down to where that one place might be and then that, again that one place won't be successful on its own it has to be part of this collective network of, of, of destinations but back to your original question you know you know with a community like Yarmouth which we we love Yarmouth and I spent a lot of time down there we're going there next week um, the waterfront is only but one component of the bigger experience of that area or that, that region so from a visitor perspective, whether you're coming by land or by water, that's kind of like, you know, a star attraction, but what did you do on your way there? What are you going to do on your way out? Um, how do we extend your stay? How do we, in, you know, increase the impact of you as a business or, or a visitor to that kind of stage by celebrating everything else that surrounds it? Um, so on the boating side, whether it's for local boating or for visiting boats, it's all about itinerary. You know, I've heard for years, like, this Nova Scotia place sounds great, Adam. I'd love to go. Where's my itinerary? Because I need to know how to get there. When I get there, where do I go? What do I do? Where do I stay? What are the regulations? Like, all that stuff it has to be presented in a, you know, in a, in a itinerary they can trust. So that's a lot of, of, our, of our work is spent on basically providing the instructions on how to, how to, uh, um, 
how to participate in this experience of, of Nova Scotia. And, and we're so ingrained in this industry on the industry level, in market. So we have access to all of the people that, it, and it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say small, but it's a, it's a relationship-based industry. Right. It's not huge. Yeah, it's no, it's, it's really. Quality over quantity. It sounds corny, but it's kind of like a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, if you look at the, the luxury yacht side or the super yacht side, uh, that is a smaller market. There are about 10,000 super yachts in the world right now, but that's a growing market. It's like you know, insulated from things like pandemics. And, you know, and during the pandemic, recreational boating and yachting exploded. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of insulated from other threats globally, recessions. And, uh, you know, some people lose their boats, but not all of them. Um, and it's uh, one that is really, really based on personal relationships uh, so when we go to boat shows so next week we're going to the palm beach international boat show which is a show i've attended uh numerous times and we'll be representing all of the dmos that you mentioned yeah um but we're we, there with four points our partner we go in to these opportunities uh and this is through our partnerships with our, our partner in market and with our clients here we don't do a traditional boat show appearance where we, we set up a booth and Hope people come. Hand out flyers. <laughs> and for some people that works, but for right. this one, it's uh, and this took years to evolve. It's we go in with a preset itinerary of meetings to make to sit down with people making our decisions on where boats go, where planes fly, uh, where I, itineraries are being shaped, and are meeting with people making decisions on coming to our area. And it's strategic meetings, and every boat show that we go to, we always come out of it with you know, a, a lead list of um, yachts that, you know, are going to be in Maine. How do we get them to extend their their cruising up? Yeah, and it's more, it's, so it's, we often, we spend a lot of time talking about the, the bigger yachts and, and, and people like to get excited about those. But for instance, uh, there are a lot of uh, smaller boats in the, let's say the 40 to 60 foot range. Um, one group in particular, it's called uh, the manufactured Nordhaven Yachts. It's like an ocean-going uh, trawler, beautiful, beautiful boats. But they travel in groups, uh, and there's sailing groups that travel together. Uh, the Cruising Club of America, which was founded at Labrador Lakes um, many, many years ago, uh, they travel together. So there's these shows allow us to connect with those groups as well. So you could be talking to one representative of uh, a manufacturer of boats who has multiple clients that are members of cruising clubs so that one contact for instance the Nordhaven one that one contact could then speak to 900 owners and then you have your your message is amplified so it's uh, it's a bit it's not it's a business to business and very strategic and uh yeah we work our butts off when we're <laughs> we're there yeah well so when i first began um exploring the sector I want to focus on the super yacht because again, it started that conversation and it was easier. It's a, it's an organized sector. Mm-hmm. So if we were talking about recreational boats and just, that's what we're trying to attract, well, like how do you communicate with recreational boats? I mean, that's everything from a kayak to a super yacht. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this allowed us to focus on a market and uh, two to four times a year was kind of what I was participating in uh, before COVID. Uh, and definitely focused on the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show, which happens at the end of October every year, which is the largest boat show in the world. And it's where all the, uh, the global contacts converge on this show. 
it's very busy, it's very hectic, it's a lot of just quick interactions that then we would follow up at the Palm Beach Boat Show in March, where you can actually sit down and kind of have the the continue the conversation that started quickly at, at Fort Lauderdale. And in between that is the Miami. There's the Miami Boat Show. Uh, there's, there's boat shows in New England, uh, in Newport, um, in, in, in the spring and fall. So we're actually working on a project right now with, the, uh, with, our, with our destination marketing clients to get into more of a rhythm around um, being present, whether it's us or others, based on where people are in the world so that we're being more efficient with our communications and uh, you know, consistently speaking a narrative uh, that we can share with other partners. You know, we're working with the Atlantic Canada Cruise Association a little informally at this time, but the, the luxury cruise ship and expedition cruise ship is a really is a big emerging market. Um, and it's more in, in line with yachting than it is cruise ships. So yeah. the luxury cruises, they're you know smaller amounts of numbers. They want more bespoke type experiences when they're in port at an elevated level. So it it just aligns better with a, a super yacht. Yeah. So it's a great example of a partnership with another organization that's uh, you know trying to do a, the same thing, but let's do it together. And so, I, I mean, I'm obsessed. This goes back to my operations background. I'm obsessed with being efficient and effective and not wasting people's time or money. That's kind of how I roll. When it comes to the side of the, the yachters themselves and the boaters themselves, when they hear the story of Nova Scotia, be it on social media or, or face-to-face in what you're doing, what's their response? They want to hear more. Okay. They're so, excited. Yeah. When I first showed up in Florida just as a young fellow back over 10 years ago, what I, what I found really interesting was that you're in a sea of, you know, global competition and people selling everything from radars to you know, $100 million yachts and everything in between. And I was just there telling the story about this little place called Nova Scotia. And suddenly you're talking to one person, then you're just two, there's three, there's five, there's six. It just became surrounded by people who wanted to hear more about what this sounded like, this magical place. But with that come the people that actually know a little, just enough to be dangerous. And you'd have one captain and you'd say, well, I'm not going there because Amanda mentioned it earlier. The, the tides are too high and there's too much fog and there's, you know, all these other things. It's too right? cold. There's so many stereotypes. And even though I've been working at this for over 10 years, all, a lot of those stereotypes and, and myths still, still exist. Mm-hmm. And so there's a huge amount of education uh, still required, and, that, and that's what we do to educate the market on why they should come here. But really, to answer your question directly, is the response is, wow, I can't believe, if I knew a little bit about this place, I want to know more. If I didn't know anything, I can't believe it exists. And how do I get here? When do I come? How do I stay? And boats that do come here and have been coming here, uh, in my experience, when I manage the LFX waterfront, they come in for a couple of days. Some even will come in just because they blew in out of a storm. Two weeks later, they haven't left because they're like, didn't know this place existed. So I guess one of our things is we don't want people to be, we want people to be uh, not surprised by how amazing it is. There can be, you know, you can still have that, wow, this has exceeded my expectations, but let's not be a surprise to the world. Let's actually wave our flag and let the world know where we are. And that's okay. Yeah. You can find out more about Super Yacht East Coast by visiting their website, superyachteastcoast.com, and follow them on social media. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you want to find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out igniteatlantic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed to Ignite It, shared us with your friends, and gave us a good review. And we'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear on it are most welcome. 
Our website is igniteatlantic.com. My email is wade, W-A-D-E, at igniteatlantic.com. I'm Wade Cleveland. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.